take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. Last year, in a series of episodes, I shared with you the story of how I came to live in France, how we manifested our current home, and all the amazing synchronicities that came together to make the seemingly impossible possible at every stage of the process from beginning to end. I recounted the story as a teaching tool that demonstrates the universal spiritual principles in action. And it was a teaching tool for me too, because I only put together or crystallized an understanding about some of the things that happened in retrospect as I was going back through the events. I've heard from many people who were inspired by that series, and it's been a source of deep satisfaction to know that my experience has triggered growth and realization in so many of you, and just uh, purely uh, the pleasure also that uh, people seem to experience listening to the story (laughs) brings me a lot of pleasure too. Now, I'd like to invite you into another story about the time before that, the prequel to that story, so to speak, with the same idea of teaching through my own experience. So today we begin a new journey together on the path of grace, my path. In this series, I'm going to share with you as openly as I can about my own journey on the spiritual path and the challenges and the dark nights of the soul that have been mine to navigate and how I've gotten through them. The spiritual path is a choice, not to be spiritual, but to be fully human. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. I say it all the time. We don't have to be spiritual. We already are. Our challenge is to be fully human. And that means fully accepting our humanity and everything that comes with that. Part of our human nature is the ego. In spiritual work, we're told we must transcend the ego. And this is true. But we can't transcend something until we fully embrace it, until we fully accept it. And that's also why I dedicate time and energy in this podcast to looking at the nature and the structure of the ego as part of our uh, inherited human condition so that we can understand that it is not personal and that we don't have to make a self out of it. If we can understand how it works and embrace it as part of our human condition, then we can begin to transcend it. So spirituality is not the denial of everything that comes with being human and thinking you should be better than that. (laughs) It's part of the package. It's accepting it as exactly what is needed 
for our spiritual growth as exactly what is positioning you perfectly for your own evolution. I am a teacher of the principles that I share in this podcast, as well as being a teacher of Kundalini Yoga and meditation. I work with groups and individuals. I lead classes and retreats. I create programs and workshops. But no one should assume that I have all the answers or that I'm in some state of virtuous spirituality where I'm above it all or understand it all. That's simply not true. Like you, I'm growing. I teach from my level of understanding and embodiment, which is all anyone can do. The authority of any teacher or leader stems from what we have become by virtue of our experience. And experience is typically painful. During this series, I'm going to share with you some of the very real challenges I came up against on the spiritual path in the first part of my journey, which was basically slogging through a lot of very heavy, very dense karmic energy. There were highs and there were lows and the lows were not pretty. But my hope is that you will feel less alone in your own journey if you know that we all go through our own version of hell on our way and that heaven and hell are a fraction of an inch apart. From the depths of hell, we can suddenly find ourselves in heaven. Sometimes we can get down on ourselves, spiritually speaking. We feel like the difficulties, the challenges, the problems... Uh, the inner conflicts we face represent some kind of failure. Like we shouldn't be having these problems if we're spiritual, right? <laughs> we can feel like we should be further along or over this by now, whatever it is. Or we can get stuck in guilt or shame about the past, want to hide things. Or we project anxiety and fear about the future. We can feel dismay over our character defects and unable to overcome some destructive emotional patterns. We can compare ourselves to others who seem to have it all together. It recontextualizes things to realize that to even have an interest in spiritual growth means you're already on the path. And that once you're on the path, you're living in a quite a different paradigm of reality from most of the world. You wouldn't get down on yourself or be so hard on yourself about your character defects if you didn't already have a significant level of realization. No one has the perfect life, including me. But everyone has the perfect life at this moment to be able to take the next step in their evolution. Your life as it is right at this moment, right now, is the perfect convergence, the perfect collection of circumstances, the perfect setup for your next step. And I'd like to share with you some of my journey in the years leading up to now, the perfect mess of my life, and the internal pressures and paradoxes that were perfect for me that set me up perfectly for the stages of transformation that I've been through and am still going through. And what I've learned that can help you on your journey, not to get down on yourself, but to instead feel the grace that is present where you are right now, no matter how messy things might seem, as the perfect convergence of everything that is needed for your next step. 
and ultimately the fulfillment of your highest potential. If I had to choose a theme for this lifetime, it might be coming home. I've had to learn a lot about what home is because I haven't felt at home. And as I said to a friend of mine recently, you only search for home because you feel lost. On the material level, I've moved a lot. There's been a lot of physical instability or unpredictability in my life, the instability of the actor's life, different cities for short stints, constantly on the move. Even after I found relative stability through establishing a home with my current husband, mutability was a constant. We were spontaneous, making big moves and alternating expansion with contraction over a period of years. We still do that. We moved from the United States to Canada, then I began commuting for a time between Canada and France, back and forth, back and forth. Then we ended up moving to France, but we still commute back to Canada and the United States. On the emotional level in this lifetime, there was, oh, you hear that wind? Isn't that beautiful? Oh. I have to share with you right now that it's hailing outside and it feels like some kind of a sign. <laughs> you know, I, um, I don't sanitize the sound, even though I suppose I could, because I like to share the environment I'm in with you. You know, they say that the wind is Shiva, Shiva, the destroyer of illusions. <laughs> the destroyer of everything that we don't need anymore. And destruction doesn't have to be violent. It's just a part of the cycle of life. Hmm. So on the emotional level, in this lifetime, there was a persistent sense of alienation and loneliness. And I suppose I noticed the wind at that moment because it's so different from how I used to feel. I feel connected to life and connected to nature in a way that I never felt before. There was always a kind of distance from life, from the experience of life, even from my beloved ones. And at the same time, this consuming craving for intimacy, which could never be assuaged by any relationship. There was often a nameless dread upon awakening for much of my adult life and an emptiness within, an emptiness. Whenever I tried to meditate, which I had done off and on since about the age of 22, all of this was how the primal belief in separation from divinity expressed itself. But of course, I didn't understand that. <laughs> I couldn't see it that way. That was just life. Since childhood, there was an unquestioned belief in God and a certainty that divinity was behind all things. And yet, despite this, and despite a few key moments of realization in early life, the deity was experienced by me as elusive, abstract, and seemingly indifferent. I guess that's why I was always trying to impress him. <laughs> So I was searching for something like so many people, some kind of security, some kind of grounding in myself that was lacking, you know, to make up for feelings of precariousness and fear, which only intensified after the disappearance of my father at age 23. 
Part of what was so intense about our move to France for me has been this deep nostalgia for the land. I've since come to understand that the feeling of nostalgia is an expression on the physical plane of the profound longing for home within. What is that feeling of home? Isn't it the feeling that everything's okay? That it's warm, that you're safe, no matter what, that we're cared for, provided for, and intimately known. Despite a deep and no doubt karmic connection to the place where we live now, and my great joy at being here, it's also clear that home can never be a place. It's a state of being that's only to be found within. And if you don't feel that way within, you'll never be at home anywhere you go. So I can trace the path that led me to this day in this place. Well, I guess back to the beginning of time, right? That's the only way we can trace anything is to go back to the beginning of time, an infinite number of reasons uh, for why we are where we are. But if I had to pick up the thread somewhere, let it be one early spring day years ago in the snowy mountains when, by grace, the longing for at-homeness coalesced in the encounter with the one who became my spiritual teacher. The first time I met him, I knew him by his feet. Actually, I felt him before I saw him. We had all been walking clockwise in a circle for about 30 minutes or so it seemed to me. When you're in a walking meditation, it's easy to lose your sense of time. My eyes were fixed on the floor, left hand on the heart, right hand in the air with the index finger pointing upward and drawing a counterclockwise circle over and over and over. The wood floor creaked with our footsteps and the shamanic drums had become a background drone to the images that flitted across the screen of my mind. I'd been traveling back in time, and memories were floating up ghost-like, like ashes drawn up a flue. Every time I passed by the wood stove in my circular path, there was a comforting whiff of smoke and a glowing warmth, it was early March in the French Alps. It was cold, and I had never been to this place before. I had signed up for the yoga training because it fit into my schedule, because I needed the module for my second level of training in Kundalini Yoga, because it was in France and gave me an opportunity to see my family there for the first time in seven years. I had signed up for a whole list of reasons that made sense to the intellect, I didn't even know who the teacher was. I just showed up practical considerations at the forefront of my mind. In 10 days, I was about to start another theater contract back home in Canada. This was just a parenthesis before I went back to my normal life. Or so I thought. As I walked my circular path, twirling my finger backwards, Growing in my navel was the same peculiar knowing I had been receiving in waves ever since my arrival in France a week before. Like there was more going on than I understood 
as if subtle currents were swirling around me, gathering power like a swelling wave. There were eddies of joy and longing and a strange kind of wounded melancholy. I felt uncertain and childlike. I'd had a wonderful reunion with my cousins, which had left me emotional and all stirred up. For several years, I had been sitting on my surfboard, floating in the ocean, looking out to sea. That was the feeling of suspension I'd been living in. A big wave was coming. I couldn't see it yet, but I could feel it. I was waiting and watching. I knew when it came, I would have to stand up and ride the wave, but for now, I was just dangling my legs in the water, bobbing. By the way, I've never surfed a day in my life. I have no idea why that image was so familiar and so persistent, but I had consistently described the feeling that something's coming to friends over the previous several years with this surfboard metaphor. Now, walking in the circle, I could sense that that wave was gathering energy beneath me. It was here. The sky was darkening with power and the low rumble of distant thunder. It was a feeling of portent, laced with a kind of dread, but mostly excitement. A couple of weeks before my departure, I had been tickled by that odd little sense of dread. It had crept in, and for a moment, I actually considered canceling my trip. It would be easier not to go, was the thought, and I wondered at that as it passed through. Easier than what? I was an actor then, mostly an unhappy one, directionless, defensive, insecure. I had also become a kundalini yoga teacher more recently, and I was obsessed. I sensed that the key to unlocking my prison was in there somewhere, and I was committed to freeing myself from the cycles of misery that had plagued me for most of my adult life. I just had no idea how. <laughs> Hence this training, though I wasn't consciously aware of the undercurrents that had brought me into the room. There were 44 of us walking in the circle, plus two teaching assistants who had set us up in the practice that first morning of the training. I had learned that I was an anomaly in the group. They had all done their level one together through this same teacher, whoever it was, and they were all based in Europe. This was the first module of their level two, which they were all also embarking on at the same time. Suddenly a new face had appeared among them, mine, and when they learned I had come from Canada, their eyes went round. All the way from Canada? For this training? Yes, I had replied. Wow, they would say. How did you hear about this school? This is a school? Honestly, I was just looking for something that fit in my schedule. And so it was that I found myself here in this loft space above a jeet in a majestic mountain range of the Alps, walking in circles with a group of strangers. And then... It was as if the air pressure changed somehow. I sensed a male presence enter the room and felt someone come into our walking circle behind me. Inexplicably, my heart started to thud. 
the energy came up behind me and the person passed me on my left. My eyes were still glued to the floor as instructed. All I could see were a pair of fleshy, sturdy feet going slowly by and the hem of a robe. It's him, I thought. It's my teacher. It was a moment of instantaneous recognition of energy because I hadn't seen his face yet, but I knew him. There are dividing days in life. There's a song about that in one of my favorite musicals, The Light in the Piazza. When my father died in an accident in the prime of his life, that was a dividing day. Life was divided into a before and an after that day. And the day I found my teacher again was another. I can trace the fact that I live in France now back to that training day when out of nowhere, the far-flung, disparate pieces of a puzzle I had never even noticed began to draw together by magnetism and the image of a meaningful world began to emerge. The suddenness of the revelation that my whole life had been leading to this moment was astonishing. It filled me with awe and wonderment. It was a clear experience of grace like I hadn't known until then. You understand, I wasn't looking for a teacher. I didn't even see that as part of my life. It just happened. But when it happened, it seemed like the most natural thing in the world. And there was a feeling that this had been a potential all along, but the actualization of it was by grace. The week that I spent in the Alps that first time ignited my being. I was hit with the full force of my soul's longing to be free in a way that was undeniable and irreversible. You know, people have this idea that doing spiritual work means that you're going to be peaceful now. Spend your time meditating in the garden and singing kumbaya and praying under a rainbow with butterflies fluttering around you and dancing with birds like Snow White. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Otherwise, you're not really doing the work. Because to do the work accelerates your karma. It brings the changes faster than they would come otherwise. The commitment to the spiritual path brings up everything that has kept you in separation. On the worldly level, it can look like your life is falling apart or you've lost your mind. People do uncharacteristic things like quitting their jobs, leaving relationships, moving from one place to another. From that moment of finding my teacher again, the commitment to move forward at any cost was made. And it was made in the ignorance of what that actually meant. It was the beginning of seven years of tears and the stripping away of one illusion after another. Why would you choose to go through something like that? Well, you don't know what you're walking into. <laughs> That's why they call it the unknown. But there is in each of us the capacity for 
devotion to truth, ultimate truth, that gives us the courage to go beyond into the unknown. And actually, at some point, we're no longer propelled by the past. We're attracted by our future, and the true self draws us into a vortex of inevitable realization. This is another thing that can be very helpful when you get down on yourself. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast. You wouldn't be interested in spiritual growth in the first place if you weren't already destined for enlightenment. You may say, enlightenment? That sounds pretty lofty. I don't know if I want enlightenment. (laughs) I just want my life to be better, right? Well, do you long for peace, for love, for bliss, for abundance? for freedom. Those are the qualities of your true nature. So you are looking for enlightenment. It's just that at first, we project those qualities outside of ourselves. So they take the form of external things like relationships, jobs, material accomplishments. And eventually you realize, oh, all of that comes from the inside. It's not out there. It's in me. So we can all relax into it instead of trying so hard, striving for spiritual growth as if it's some point in the future, far away, separate from ourselves, knocking on the door of life. Knock, knock, knock. Here's a line of poetry from Rumi who said, I have lived on the lip of insanity, wanting to know reasons, knocking on a door. It opens. I've been knocking from inside. Think about this. We all believe there's somewhere we have to go, something to find, someone else to become on the journey of spiritual growth. We're knocking on the door saying, let me in, thinking that we're on the outside of something separated from what we want by a locked door. Suddenly, the door opens and we realize we were already inside. We have and we are everything that we're looking for already. But those are just words until you know it. We keep knocking, we keep running around out there until in one moment, it goes from being a mental concept to being a self-evident reality that it's all in here. So everything landed that week in the Alps. I knew intuitively that a portal had opened. And I had a choice to make about whether to step through into the unknown. I sensed that nothing would ever be the same, which I both wanted and feared. And actually, I had taken the first steps toward the door in the months before I went to France. Only I didn't know it at the time. I'll tell you more about that next time. How I met a stockbroker turned intuitive healer in Vancouver who helped me to finally give up trying to be successful and let go of the carefully crafted image I had cultivated. 
I'll tell you more about that first week with my teacher and how being in the frequency of unconditional love during that week of training permanently altered the course of my life. And in today's show notes, you'll find a link to the Q&A form that I'm providing to collect the questions that come up for you and to which I will dedicate an episode of the podcast this season. You'll also find links to the series on how I manifested my dream home in France, if you missed it, to which this current series is a prequel. I'll see you next time. Until then, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.